pretty excited about today. I was uh, had something planned over the last couple of days in, in preparation, and uh, right in the middle of the night last night, the Lord changed that. And uh, hey, it's it's His church; He's allowed to do that. Amen. Praise God. But uh, we uh, we've been talking about. We'll continue this today about spiritual fitness. We've been talking about this particular subject here. And 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says that physical training, this is out of the Amplified, said physical training is of some value, useful for a little. But godliness, spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything, in every way, for it holds the promise of the present life and the life that is to come. Amen? So it's a, it's a really important thing for us, us to remember that uh, the Bible doesn't say he's not teaching against physical exercise because it's good, but it's only good for this particular life. Amen? Get all you can get while you're here. Amen? But uh, the Bible says that godliness is profitable to this current life, but also in the life that is to come. Amen? So we've been talking about how to stay in shape spiritually. And what we've been talking about so far, the first thing that we've been talking about here is uh, the first principle is that, that to have the Word of God as have preeminence of the Word of God in your life, first place in your, in your life. Amen? To stay in shape. And I want to, here's what the Lord gave me last night. Let's go over to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And uh, most of you are familiar with this particular uh, account in the Bible where Peter walked, a man walked on the water. Amen? And, uh, you know, some people think this was a fairy tale, like it didn't happen, but it actually, like a made-up story, but it actually took place, it actually happened here. And, uh, and I want you to see something here in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. Let's pick up in verse 23, okay? When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. When evening was come, he was there alone. And the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, it's about 3 o'clock a.m., Jesus went into them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit or a ghost. Amen. You know, it's about this time of year, you know, people start decorating all this kind of stuff, and I... I like to say the only ghost that's alive in my house is the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, isn't that the truth though? But when his disciples uh, saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. And they said, it is a spirit in verse 26. And they cried out with fear. All right. Now, um, most of these, some of these disciples had a professional fishing career before Jesus actually called them into the ministry. They had never experienced anything like this in their previous experience with their business. Amen? And history has it, you know, tradition has it that if you're a fisherman and you're on the lake and you saw a ghost or a spirit, that meant within minutes you're a dead person. In other words, you're going under. So they're, they're shrieking out with fear, right? And uh, they didn't know it was the Lord. Isn't that amazing how the Lord can be there and you not know it's even Him? Okay? And they cried out with fear. That wasn't faith. They were crying out with fear and straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer. In other words, get happy. <laughs> be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. You know, that's something we have to always remember that when, when we're in the midst of fearful, troubled situations in our life, Jesus is always there. 
but it takes an eye of faith to recognize the fact that he's there and he's, he's always, always comes with the message, do not fear. Why? Because I'm here. Amen. I'm telling you, when you even got goosebumps parked on top of goosebumps and you're afraid and fearful of things that are going on, the Lord is right there. Amen. His presence is there for you. It's so important for us to remember that. And so uh, he said, get happy, be of good cheer. Amen. And I believe he's saying that today too. Amen. And I'll, sh I'll show you something. I can't wait to get into this. And Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come to thee on the water. Well, what's he going to say? It's not me. He said, bid me to come to thee on the water. And he said, come. One word. And Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Notice that a man walked on the water. Someone said, you know, you write at the caption of your Bible, says Peter walked on the water. But actually, he didn't really walk on the water. He walked on the Word. Because God gave him a Word which held him up. Amen. And I'll tell you, anytime God gives you a Word, whether it's a rhema Word or in the written Word, He's going to hold you up so you won't sink. Amen. And it says right here, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to thee on the water. He said, come. And Peter came down and walked out of the ship and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And, and then verse 30, things start to fall apart. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. Now let me ask you a question. How many have ever jumped into a pool of water that's deep? How many of you, when you jump in or dive in, that you begin to sink? You're, it's instant, right? This wasn't an instant thing. He began to sink. All right? Now, here's, here's what the Lord, here's the revelation I believe the Lord began to give me. Anybody here familiar with the phrase peripheral vision? Yes. Okay? And so, in other words, that's not your main fixation. Okay? Now, I'm looking at my son Joshua back there, Okay? So I'm looking at him directly. I'm fixated on him. In my peripheral vision, I see everybody here and everybody here. It's, but it's not the main fixation. You see what I'm saying? And what the Lord was showing me through this whole situation was, as long as Peter's eyes were fixated on Jesus, the winds and the waves were still there. He was okay. He walked on the water. Think about that. But when he, got, when he got his eyes off the main event and he got his eyes on the peripheral, he got his eyes off the main thing. And that's the thing he was looking at was making him walk on the water. You see what, see what I'm saying here? And, and, and I saw this, I mean, just made a lot of sense to me because, you know, we can't just put our heads in the sand like an ostrich, you know, and just ignore that everything that's going on around in our, in our world today. You know, there's stuff going on in our in our nation, there's stuff going on in our, maybe your lives, you know. But I think where the, where the enemies had a little bit of success in this particular area is that he's gotten us to get our eyes off the main event. Thank you so much for coming to be with us today. We love you guys. You're going to win today. You're going to win today, Ezekiel. God bless you. Thank you. It's so nice meeting you. Amen. Praise the Lord. They, uh, they came down from up near Niagara Falls, had a hockey tournament. They had a few minutes. They said, we're going to come to the service this morning. Amen. You know, it's funny. A couple years ago, a few years ago, when we had the church right over in that, that first location over here that uh, was a courtyard, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was a courtyard. 
uh, just right over the hill. Um, we had somebody that was, a, a mother and her son were here for a tennis tournament, you know, and they uh, uh, were here for the weekend, you know, but they had a few minutes to catch the service, you know. Well, they came to the service, were really blessed, you know, and I got an email back from her a couple, the same week, said, you have no idea, my son was an underdog, and he went and played in this ten tennis tournament. He goes, I really believe that because we came to church and honored the Lord that morning, that he got first place. Amen. So he got, he got a big trophy and everything, you know, and I, I thought, you know, praise the Lord. Doesn't take much to please the Lord, right? Amen. And, uh, but I, I think this is so important that we understand this because the peripheral is not the main event. We're not supposed to be looking at the things that are going on. We know what's going on around us. We're aware of that, okay? But I think it's so, so important. And we've all done this. We've gotten our eyes off the main purpose or the main vision of Jesus, the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. And if we get our eyes off of, off of him, like Peter, he began to sink. We're talking about staying in shape spiritually, putting the word of God first place. Amen? So when you're looking to Jesus, someone says, well, you know, I, I understand Peter. He could look. He was physically there with physical Jesus, but I'm not there with him. I'm, I don't see Jesus. Well, the Bible says looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith in Hebrews. We're to look unto him. So there has to be a way to look at Jesus without seeing him physically. And I submit this to you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. In the Word, Jesus is the Word. When you're looking to the Word of God, you are looking to Jesus because he is the Word of God. Personified. Amen? And I'm telling you what, you have such an advantage. You don't have to be like the woman with the issue of blood that had to go where Jesus was to touch the hem of his garment. You know, someone says, I just wish I was back then so I could go touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Folks, you don't need, you don't need to move past your chair to touch his garment. Do you know that? He's a living word. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is everywhere at once. Spiritual power is everywhere at once. And it's here in this place. Amen? And so it's so important that we keep our eyes. And it says when he saw, verse 30, notice this right here. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, beginning to sink. Now, you know, you can't see the air. You can't see the, the wind, right? You can feel it, but you can't see it. But you can see the effects of the wind. What creates waves? Wind. Okay? Wind is invisible, but you can see the waves. Okay? The Holy Spirit's invisible to our natural eye, but He creates things in the natural. He can cause an effect in the natural. And it's so important for us. Hallelujah. You know... Psalm 91 says, though a thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. Do the math. That's 11,000, right? A thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. It will not come near you. Okay? Now, the Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. The weapon might be formed. It might try to come against you, but it won't prevail. It won't prosper. Amen? I think sometimes you know, we give the, the idea that if you, know, you serve God that you're not going to have any symptoms, you're not going to have any, 
you know, symptoms, that's the best word I could find, that will try to come against you. Just because you have a symptom of something, a symptom of lack, a symptom in your physical body, a symptom in a relationship, doesn't mean that's the real deal. Are you with me now? And I think it's where people get upset. They say, man, I, I thought, you know, I believed in healing, but why did I feel the pain in my body? Why did this thing try to come against me? Listen, you're not exempt from symptoms. You're exempt from the end result of those symptoms. Okay? Amen. And just like the UPS guy or the FedEx guy come to your door and you have to sign for the package, you know, you still have to sign for it. Okay? Certain, or certain things they won't just leave. You have to sign for it. Right? If you get a cell phone or something like that, you got to sign for it. It comes through the mail, you know, like when we have through Verizon, you know, <laughs> and it's time to get a new phone or something like that, you know. We gotta, somebody has to be there to sign for it, okay? But if I don't sign for it, I don't get it. So the devil might knock on your door with something, with symptoms and things of that nature, you know, but you say, you have to stay, stand up and say within yourself, no, that's not mine. That doesn't belong to me. I'm not accepting that in my house. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Well, when Jesus showed up in the middle of the storm, I mean, this, I mean they're gonna, they think they're going to die. They literally think they're going to die. That's not the first time that happened. They think they're going to perish. The other time Jesus was in the ship in the back of the boat, remember that storm? And they, were, they had to wake him up because they thought they were going to perish, right? So that's not the first time that this has happened. And sometimes you feel like you're going to perish. Sometimes you feel like you're going to go under. Sometimes you feel like, this, could this be it? You know? <laughs> I was thinking of Sanford and son, you know. <laughs> what, is, what was his wife's name? Uh, Elizabeth! I'm coming home! <laughs> Every time he get under pressure. <laughs> Anybody remember that? And sometimes you might feel like, man, is this, is this it? No, no, no. It's just a lying symptom that came against you. Amen? Praise the Lord. Put off Elizabeth to the future, right? <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but it just... hadn't thought about that since the 70s. <laughs> Amen? Um, when he saw the wind boisterous, he began to sink. His initial gaze... At Jesus, the Word of God, initially was the main focus. He was able to do this, the impossible. I mean, he was walking on the water. <laughs> you know, you can't walk on the water on a calm day, right? Um, that, the wind and the waves, they were still there, but he wasn't fixated on it because that was peripheral. But when the main event, when, when peripheral vision became the main vision, then you took your eyes off the main, and then the peripheral became the main. Yes. Am I making sense? Yes. And when you get your eyes off the Word of God, that's, see, that's why when we come to church, we point you to the Word of God. Because that's the thing. I'm not going to be up here and just jump through the hoop and entertain everybody, but I'm going to point you. Now, the Word of God's entertaining. Don't get me wrong. But we have to point to the Word of God because it's the Word of God standing on that Word, this book right here, that's going to cause us to stand when others fail. Why is it that some fail and others don't? It's because it's the people that stand on the word of the living God. 
they that stand on the word of God. Right? I mentioned the, to the fact last week, you know, about that situation where that big old tree branch broke off. You know, how many remember that story? About two years ago, and I was taking a walk, a prayer walk. I was praying. But here's the thing. When I pray, I always pray Psalm 91. I pray Psalm 23, Psalm 103, Isaiah 54, and a host of other single scriptures. All right? And, you know, when you pray that year after year after year after year, that gets ingrained inside you because it's the Word of God in you that abides in you that's going to produce fruit and protection when you need it. And so, thousands of times I've said, Psalm 91, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, You are my refuge, my fortress, my God, and you will I trust. I'm only responsible for verse 1 and verse 2. The, the rest of the verses, there's 16 verses in Psalm 91. God says, that's what I'm going to do. But our part is easy. Verse 1 and verse 2. Yeah. Abide, amen, he that dwelleth in the secret place. That's prayer. Stay in prayer. Stay in fellowship with God. And then you say of the Lord, Lord, you are my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Amen. amen. Because on to say a thousand will fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. That's close. But it's not, it's not going to come near you. Amen. And so when I'm walking along and having a good time praying, I heard kaboom. And I felt the ground shake. I thought, is that an earthquake? And the branch was so big. I've showed my family. It's still laying there. They just pushed it off to the side. There's a, there's a Montour Trail. There's a section in Montour Trail in McMurray in Peters Township that they paved. That's where I was walking. I was coming up this hill. Okay. Nancy, you might know where that's at. Where you come up that hill there. And uh, just look for a big branch off to the side. If you're ever running down there, it's, that's the one that tried to take me out. And I'm, I'm walking like this, okay, and, and all of a sudden, I'm right here, and I hear, boom, and the branch is about as far as Dan was behind me. I hear, boom, and I, so I turned around, and I saw it, and it was so close to the time when it hit that it shattered the branch like bark was flying off because it was an older tree. That's why it broke. But the branch was like this thick. It was a huge, huge branch. And it fell from like maybe 20 feet up in the air. And when it hit, it shook because I was that close to it. And I turned around and I thought, oh, Jesus. Had I would have been a second or two behind, that thing would have hit me in the top of the head. It would have killed me. I guarantee you. Amen? Right away, I didn't freak out. I just said, Father, I thank you for Psalm 91 because I was walk. I like to walk and pray sometimes. That's where I pray for, for you all a lot is I like to walk and pray. Okay? I can stay real focused when I'm walking and praying. Real focused. I mean like laser vision, you know? Plus you're getting exercise. <laughs> so you kill two birds with one stone. Amen? And so I just said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you protected me. Thank you for Psalm 91. Amen? And, and, and yet, you know, maybe somebody else that could have been a believer, it would have had different results. That doesn't make me any better. I'm not any better than anybody else. But God does respect his kids that stand upon his written word. Amen. A lot of people think it's just a fairy tale. It's just red. It's just ink on paper, you know. But listen, it's living. The word of God is living. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge, my fortress, my God, and you will I trust. 
That means he's a refuge. He's a fortress. He's a protector. Praise the Lord. So, so it's just amazing. Like, and, and anybody that has a voice, do you have a voice? Can you talk? I've talked to everybody in this room at one time. Amen. Well, I know you've got a voice. And all you've got to do is give voice to that scripture. It only takes seconds to do that. Psalm 23 and Psalm 91 to me are the two, they're my two favorite psalms. Because Psalm 23 is Jesus is the good shepherd. He's our, we're living in the 23rd Psalm. Amen. Let we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, Lord. You can be that close. Praise the Lord. But he's with us. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Amen. Our cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. Amen. And I'm, you know, sad to say, a lot of times, maybe you've experienced this. I have. You go to a funeral, and it's real religiousized. They use scripture, but it's like there's no joy. There's you can tell there's no revelation when they're talking. It's just like. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they come from me. Thou prepares the table before me in the presence of the shut up. You feel like saying, just shut up. You're saying it with a religious tone. There's no life in it. <laughs> Amen. Well, who wrote the 23rd Psalm? David. Did he know some things about protection? I mean, think... Stop and think about David. I mean, I mean, he's a real person. He was the youngest of all of his brothers. He was the most unlikely to become the leader of Israel. And they proved that out because <laughs> the prophet said, one of your sons of Jesse is going to be the new leader of Israel. And he kept marching all of his sons. He said, nope, that's not the one. That's not the one. Now, why didn't God just come out and tell him who it was at first? Because God wants you to go through the process. And all of his brothers, I forget how many brothers, it was a bunch of them. And they, he was tall, dark, and handsome. No, that's not the one, you know. And then he, he thought, he said, is this all the sons you have to the prophet, Samuel? He said, well, no, there's still the youngest. He's on the backside of the desert watching the sheep. He goes, bring them to me. That was the one that he chose. Yeah. Amen. Small, ruddy, the Bible says. But... David was a shepherd of his father's sheep back in the desert where nobody else was. It was just him and the sheep. Just him and the sheep. But he took his job serious when no one was watching, supposedly. And there came a lion one day and there came a bear another day and both of them grabbed at least one of the sheep, it says, one of the sheep in their mouths, because, you know, they're looking for dinner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amen. And a lion came, and, you know, I mean, you know what lions look like. You know how ferocious they are, right? King of the forest, right? <laughs> they're at the top of the food chain, right? Did you ever watch Lion King? Did you know yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mufasa. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going all over the place here this morning. Amen. Just bear with me. All right. Well, um, David went after the lion 
And he says he grabbed the lion by the beard. He's probably trendy, right? Grabbed him by the beard. Probably had eyeglasses on too, right? Yeah. Thick eyeglasses. <laughs> Tight jeans, right? Grabbed him by the beard and slew the lion with his bare hands, no pun intended. How many people would do that? I'd be like, you can have the sheep. I'm gone, man. I'm out of here, man. You know? But see, David, how, do, how did he even know to do that? You know, where did he see that? Did he watch a movie that had, no. Where did, he, where, did the, where did he come up with that? Well, see, on the backside of the desert sometimes, when you're alone, that's where you get to know God. Okay? I remember when I first got out of high school and I got this job driving a truck, you know, for a mining company. I've told you about that. That was so precious to me because I had some other jobs before that. And God op supernaturally opened this door for me just for a season um, for about a year and a half to work for this mining company and deliver parts over West Virginia and Ohio, you know, in this Ford F-150 red pickup truck, okay, with an AM radio. That's it, okay? Well, um, this is in 1980. And I, I was saved. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was in that, that time frame. I had hours every day alone. Yet I wasn't alone. I was with God. And I got to know God. I'd heard teaching on the radio, you know, every 15-minute broadcast that came on. And I got, during that year and a half, I got so close to the Lord in that truck. And it was just me and God, you know what I mean, that, that was able to launch me into the next phase of my life. Praise the Lord. What was David doing on the backside of the desert? He was communing with God. He was fellowshipping with God. He got to know God. And the Holy Spirit told me one time, now you can't prove it by the Word of God, but you can't disprove it either. The Lord said this, he, David sang to his sheep. Amen? He was a psalmist. Do you think he Do you think he just got up one day and started playing the harp skillfully? He was so skillful that when King Saul was tormented by an evil spirit, David came in, played his harp, and sang before the Lord. And the evil spirit that was tormenting King Saul, left him. That has to be the anointing. Anointed psalmist, anointed music, will cause devils to run. Amen? Amen. You know, it blessed me this morning. I mean, we never met this couple that came in. They were staying at the hotel, you know. And uh, when we were doing, right in the middle of the song, I looked over and tears are just streaming down the her, the mother's face just streaming down. I don't know them from Adam. But you know, what, you know what does that? It's the anointing. It's the precious anointing. Amen? Don't ever underestimate your time alone. I kind of, I always kind of liked alone time because it's, I'm really not alone. I'm with the Lord, you know, but I like private time. Sometimes it's just, just me and the Lord. I like to take drives and just talk to Him and fellowship with Him and and that way, when, I'm, when I've had good communication and talks with the Lord, when I come back, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better pastor, because I've been alone with God, been alone with Him. And that's, the, that's where, where people oftentimes miss the opportunity, but they don't have to, as a believer, to covet that time. Make that the most precious time of your days, your time with the Lord. And do it the way... What works for you? 
What works for one person may not work for someone else. Amen. Some people say, I pray for two hours a day. Well, that may not work for you. Maybe start out with 15 minutes or 10 minutes. You know, God will bless that. He'll honor that. He's not despising the fact you should have prayed an hour. You should have prayed two hours. God will take any time you give him. Amen. Are you, do you understand that? And so how, how did David know to take on a lion then on another occasion a bear? The only thing that was missing was a tiger. <laughs> Lions, tigers, and bears, right? <laughs> so, but I mean, let me tell you something. You're not going to find a person from the natural standpoint. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the strongest. I don't care if you're Arnold Schwarzenegger on steroids. I know he was, but, but you know, um, you know, you're still not strong enough to take on a lion and a bear. You're just not. Now, folks, in the natural, the Scripture tells us in Ephesians 6.10, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Praise the Lord. Now, we're not in ourselves anymore. People, you've heard the statement, they're stuck on themselves, right? Well, when you got engrafted in Christ Jesus, it's not just, you, just little old you standing there anymore. It's... It's, it's the God in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You're just not a sack of flesh standing there. I'm telling you, you're a, you're a physical body, but inside you, you have the Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And see, David understood that. He, he learned that. He, he was young. He was a teenager. They tell us that when David took on Goliath... You know, that was after the line, after the bear, that um, he was 17 years old. He was barely shaving. 17 years old, teenager, taking on a giant of a man that was roughly 11 and a half to 12 foot tall. Okay? Goliath, you know, there's a, there's a list of things that, about him, you know, and one of the things that says his spearhead was 40 pounds. Just the spearhead alone was 40 pounds, let alone his armor, his coat of mail, and all that kind of stuff. It, it describes it perfectly. Okay? David had a confidence going into that battle because he goes, the same God that helped me take out the lion and took out the bear is the same God that's going to help me take out this uncircumcised Philistine that doesn't have a covenant with God. That means uncircumcised. That's a sign of the covenant. Okay? And he says he'll be just like one of those. Isn't that amazing? In the Valley of Elah, I have a friend of mine. His name's Ronnie Pierce. He's an evangelist pastor, you know. And uh, he's been to Israel probably eight to nine different times, you know, and, uh, uh, before the whole COVID thing took place, you know. And he'd been over there and doing tours and taking people on tours and things like that, you know. And he's a real lover of Israel, just a good man. And uh, he's, the last time he was over there, he went and... Every time he goes there, he would visit different biblical sites. I love that. It's fascinating to me. I love Israel. I love biblical history. And those places that you read about in the Bible, they're still there. And the Valley of Elah is between two mountains. And on one mountain, the Israelites stood. On the other mountain, the uh, 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 Philistines. Right? And then there was a brook that ran through 
David collected the five smooth stones, right? That brook is still there, right? And so my friend went down there and took it. He said, I prayed for you. I went down there and grabbed the stone, and I have a picture of it. He's standing there in the middle of the field of Elah where, God, where, where David fought Goliath and defeated him. He said, I prayed for you at that place. And he said, I also prayed for you at the Wailing Wall <laughs> in Israel. I said, well, praise the Lord. That's, that's awesome. Amen. But God will hear our prayers anywhere. I don't have to be over there. Amen. Just the thought that counts, right? How in the world would Joshua know to command the sun to stand still? Where did he see that before? He didn't. Where is he coming up with this kind of faith? Because they're in the middle of a battle and he wants to finish the battle before the setting of the sun. So he commanded the sun to stand still and it did. It obeyed him, a man. Amen. <laughs> now, in case you're, you're wondering, those are amazing situations, right? David, right? Joshua. But guess what? They're all Old Testament. Which covenant do we live in? We live in the New Covenant, don't we? And the scripture says in Hebrews 8, 6, that we have an, a better covenant established upon better promises. Amen. Daniel eleven thirty. this is Dan's book right here, Daniel eleven thirty two. It says, they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Daniel eleven thirty two. Well, all of us have the same access to the Lord, don't we? Everybody look up at me. It, you in this room, you have the same access to God as anybody else. As a believer, the blood of Jesus guarantees your right to come before the Lord and you have His undivided attention. Every one of you here. Well, Pastor, I just don't feel... Hold it. It has nothing to do with it. Amen? Feelings have nothing to do with it. Amen? But God says, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Well, this whole situation right here, let's go back to, to, to Matthew right there. It says in verse 30, 14, verse 30, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, beginning to sink. And he cried, said, Lord, save me. Hmm. I was talking about this yesterday with Brother Dan, you know, and we were discussing this, you know, and it's amazing to me because even when in the, we, we fail, the only reason that Peter began to sink is he got his eyes off of Jesus, the main event, and got his eyes on the peripheral. He began to sink. Yet, that being said, when Peter sank, what did he do right here? It says... He cried saying, Lord Jesus, save me. Notice the response in verse 31. It says, and immediately, say immediately. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him and said unto him, Oh, of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? In other words, you, could have, you just about completed this miracle. So when they came into the ship, the wind ceased. And they worshipped him and said... Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. All right? Now, even when you feel like you failed or didn't, if you came up short, 
Now, we've all been there. I have been there myself. Okay? I think we do a misnomer sometimes as ministers to just talk about successes. Okay? Because we're human. We work through that. We're all human. Every minister is human. We've got to work through things too. And sometimes as ministers, we get our eyes on the symptoms instead of Jesus, and we start to sink too. Okay? But we don't have to. Amen? It wasn't God's will that Peter started to sink. It wasn't God's will. That's why he said, oh, man, you almost completed them. I'm paraphrasing. You, 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 you almost completed this miracle. But actually, when he said, Lord, save me, you know, Jesus didn't say, here's some scuba gear. Take it and go for it. Right? He, he was close enough. He just reached down and pulled him right up. And guess what? Peter walked on the water again with Jesus, went back to the boat. They completed the miracle. But, you know, Jesus corrected him, but not, not in a sense that, you know, you lousy old scoundrel, you, you know, said, wherefore did you doubt? He didn't say it like that. He said, I could just picture Jesus. You did pretty good, but you could have completed it. Amen? So even, listen to this, even when you feel like your faith has failed, have you ever felt that way before? There's still the mercy side of God that you can cling to, and he will pick you back up. Oh. Oh. Thank God for his mercy. Had it not been for his mercy, we'd all be sunk. Oh, my goodness. I'd be, I wouldn't even be here right now had it not been for God's mercy. So even in God's mercy... He, had, he brought Peter back up and said, okay, let's walk back safely to the boat. He didn't let him drown. He didn't let him sink. He could have, but he didn't. Okay? And that just shows me something about the heart of God, that even when you feel like you've missed it, you've fallen short, don't condemn yourself. That's the worst thing you can do is condemn yourself. When you miss it, don't run from God. Run to Him. Go right to Him because He's there to help you. He's not going to knock you over the head. He's not going to rebuke you. He's going to help you. Amen? Well, that's exactly what he did. He helped Peter. He got him back up, and they walked back to the boat. Amen? And so they, did, they completed the miracle with the help of Jesus, right? But actually, it could, have, it could have turned out where Peter just walked all the way to Jesus, met him, turned around, and came walking right back to the boat, and he never sunk. But then we wouldn't have this to read. <laughs> Amen? So I think it's really important for us to understand that we, uh, we can identify with Peter. He was a human being too, right? He had feelings. He had senses, five senses like you and I have, you know. And, 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 but the main thing is, let, let's go to, let's look at something else here. It'll, it'll uh, tie into this here. Look at Proverbs. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. Okay. Now I wrote down here, I looked this up this morning, and, I, and it said peripheral vision or indirect vision is vision that occurs outside the point of fixation, i.e., away from the center gaze or when viewed at a large angles in the corner of your eyes. Okay? But Jesus Christ, or His Word, is not to be in our peripheral. He is to be the main gaze, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, developer, 
of our faith. So, look at this scripture in Proverbs 4, verse 25. Amen? Here we go. Look at this. It says, Let thine eyes look right on. Well, Peter was doing that, right? Look, let your eyes look right on. And let thine eyelids look straight before thee. So that's the main fixation, right? Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Notice this. Turn not to the right hand or to the left. Remove thy foot from evil or calamity. Do you see how that ties in with Peter? Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. But look to Jesus. Looking unto him. Thank you, Lord. Everybody, everybody in this room has a choice. And everybody that's on the telephone lines, we thank you for dialing in today. But every one of us, we have a choice. Whether on a daily basis, whether we're going to look to the Lord or look to the flesh. Amen? We're not looking to the government to save us. We're looking to Jesus to save us. We're not looking for a politician to save us. We're looking to Jesus to save us. We're not looking to our job to be our provider. We're looking to Jesus as our provider. He's our provider. God is our provider. Now Psalm 34, just right next door. Let's go over there and wrap this up here this morning. In Psalm 34. Does that make sense about the peripheral? Okay. Um, and we'll clarify this a little bit more so you understand. I think it's so important we understand how do you do this. You know what I mean? We're, I know that we're to look to Jesus, but how do you do that? Because I can't look and see him. Okay? And that's what we're talking about here. Psalm 34 and verse 4. David said this again. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. You see that? I sought the Lord and he heard me. You can say that too. And he delivered me from half my fears. <laughs> hmm. Here's one of the ways that you can get fear completely out of your life. I mean banished. Fear might knock on your door. Sometimes it's very subtle. But it's still fear. Even when we say, I'm concerned for you, sweetheart, that can be worry, fear. Right? There's more, there's fright, which we're, we're un, we understand that, but then there's just those subtle little worries and things that gnaw at you that's still fear-based. But notice it says right here, I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and guess what happened? He delivered me from all of my fears. That means there's none left. There's no fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. <laughs> you would be absolutely amazed. And your mind will do backflips when you realize this. That you can stand in the face of fear and feel fear. You can feel fear, but not yield to it. Uh, I mean, I tell you, you can, your leg, your knees can be having fellowship with one another, knocking so close together. You know what I mean? You can feel afraid. You can feel the fear, like, you know what I mean? 
But yet, that's your flesh. That's not your spirit. And yet your spirit can say, I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to fear. Just that statement alone will set the course of your day Monday through Sunday. Say, I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to fear. In Jesus' name. Is it possible to live every day of our lives from this moment forward? What is the day? The 10th of uh, October. Feels like August. That's all right. <laughs> and um, is it possible to live this day from the 10th of August, 2021, at uh, 11.36, to be exact? Is it possible to live from this moment forward and not yield to fear? Yes. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't feel fear. You can still feel it. That doesn't mean you're afraid. Okay? You can have the symptoms of something, but that doesn't mean you have it. Okay? I remember one time uh, a year or two ago, you know, I had some, I was just going along, and all of a sudden, I had these natural symptoms. I, had, um, I started sneezing real bad. Then I started getting a sore throat. And my mind said, a thought came to my mind, said, you're coming down with this thing this time of the year, right? A certain thing. Okay? These are instantly, I had these symptoms come against me. I started sneezing and I had a sore throat, just instantly. I stopped in my tracks. I says, no, you don't. You're not coming to this, boy. I'm a child of God. Satan, get out of here right now in Jesus' name. Within four minutes or so, that thing, every symptom left and it never came back. Well, there's no doubt what the devil was trying to, the devil is the one that brings sickness and disease. He's the author of sickness and disease and pain. But Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. And part of the curse of the law is sickness, disease, and pain. He redeemed us. It's like he told the woman, you know, that was bowed over in Luke's gospel for 18 years and Jesus said, Satan has bound this woman for 18 years. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham be loosed from this bondage on the Sabbath day? In Luke 13, I think it is. He said, she's a daughter of Abraham. She ought to be loosed. She ought to be free. Hallelujah. You and I, it says, if you be Christ, Galatians 3, 29 says, if you be Christ, if you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed. You're an heir according to the promise. So if you belong to Jesus, you're Abraham's seed. <laughs> Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? She was a, a Jewish Israelite. She had a covenant, but she wasn't acting upon it. She wasn't taking advantage of that. She, he said, Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day, and he set her free. And she, after 18 years of like this, couldn't, couldn't raise up. Satan bound her. Jesus said, Satan has bound her. Sickness and disease and pain are all from demon spirits. But we have authority over those things. Okay? So when a symptom comes against you, Attack it instantly. The best time to pull up a tree or a bush is when you first plant it. 
If you leave it in there, the root system gets deeper. You can pull all you want, it's not going to come up. So when something's try to get, when Satan tries to plant something in your thinking right away, that's the best time to pull it up. Say, nope, nope, nope. This is not coming to my place. You'd be surprised how many people think that's such radical preaching, but it's just biblical. It's just biblical. Amen? Like Glenn Mink was popular for saying, don't look like you're a jury duty when I say this. <laughs> he would always say that when there were people worshiping. It looks so sad. He said, y'all look like you're on jury duty or something, you know? It's like, you know. But here's the thing. Jesus said, cheer up when he came to them walking on the sea. Get happy. When he said, be of good cheer, you know, you can make that real King Jamesy like, you know what I mean? Or King Jimmy. <laughs> Be of good cheer. Make it religious. He's basically just saying, get happy, guys. It's me. It's okay. I'm here. You're not going to drown. I'm here. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, in the midst, Jesus loves to show up in the middle of your chaos. I'll say that again. Jesus loves to show up in the middle of chaos because he knows he can fix it. He's already got the answer for it, so why sweat it? Why sweat it? He's got your back. He's got your back. He's got your back. He's got you covered. Amen? Yes, yeah, symptoms might look like, oh, God, look at here. But don't get your eyes on the peripheral. Keep your eyes fixated on Jesus. Yes, you see what's going on here. You see what's going on there. But notice it says they looked unto them. Verse 4 says, Psalm 34, verse 4 says, I sought the Lord. He heard me, delivered me from all my fears. Notice this. They looked unto him. Wow. What was their fixation on? Jesus. They looked unto him. They were enlightened and their faces were not ashamed. It even goes on to say the poor man cried. Would say po. <laughs> That's even worse than poor. The poor man cried. The Lord heard him and delivered him out of half his troubles. Hmm. All my fears, all my troubles, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, all A-double-L. I sought the Lord, He heard me, delivered me from all of my fears. They looked unto Him, were enlightened, and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried, the Lord heard them, and saved them out of all of His troubles. So if we're having financial problems, it says right here, He cried unto the Lord. The Lord heard him and delivered him from all his troubles. This isn't my subject, but I'll just kind of throw it out there. But you know, there's different miracles in the Bible. We think of miracles, we think of physical, and that's no question. That's all throughout the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Right? Physical miracles. There's also provisional miracles. When Peter needed tax money... The Lord said, go a fishing. And the first fish that you catch up, look in his mouth. There's a coin there. He said, it'll pay for my taxes and your taxes. That's supernatural. Amen. There's all kind of provisional miracles in the Bible. There's also um, national miracles of protection from foreign entities. Okay. So you have all these different miracles that are available 
for the body of Christ today. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord Jesus. They looked unto him and were enlightened and their faces were not ashamed. Let's do this as a spiritual exercise. Just bow your head, close your eyes. Now the Lord gave you an imagination to use for your advantage, not your disadvantage. Everybody here has an imagination you can see. Now picture, picture yourself, okay, in your kitchen right now. Picture yourself in there. Can you see it? Do you see your kitchen? Okay, how about if you have a dog or a cat or so, you know, gold, I don't care what it's, goldfish, whatever kind of pet you have, can you picture that pet right now? Just go ahead in your mind. Okay. Now, you're going out of your house and you're getting into your car. Can you picture your car? Do you see the color of your car? Do you see it? Okay, now you can look up. All right. How many of you saw what I was just talking about? Okay. You mentally walked through that in your psych, in your mind. You saw it. You saw yourself with that pet. You saw yourself in your car. You saw yourself in your kitchen. Yet you're here. Okay. And that's why sometimes, you know, at night times when you have like a dream, you know, sometimes dreams are just crazy. They're just all over the place, you know what I mean? Make no sense at all. <laughs> I don't mean a nightmare. I'm talking about sometimes you dream, you're like, what in the world? <laughs> Dear Lord. You know, but God gave you an imagination to use for your advantage. And it's called, this is where we'll, we'll talk, get into this next week because we're almost out of time here. We'll get into this other pr principle here about spiritual development. The first principle that we're talking about is the Word of God has to have preeminence. If we're going to be in shape spiritually, the Word of God has to be number one in our lives. But the second thing that I'm going to talk about next week is how to appropriate the Word of God through meditation, biblical meditation. Okay? It's the most powerful thing that God put in the earth for believers. Now, the devil is a counterfeiter, of course, and he just, he he's not a creator. He can't create anything. But he only perverts that which God made. Okay? And there are counterfeits for meditation. You know, you see people like, you know, in a room, you know, that's, that's not biblical meditation. But there is. Who invented meditation? God. God. You know, it's even interesting. I found this really, really interesting that our early spiritual forefathers, they, uh, like Abraham, you know, he didn't just take on the things that he'd learned about faith and, and things of that nature. He didn't just keep it to himself. He passed it on to his kids. God even said about Abraham, he says, I know Abraham, how he'll command his children after me. Mm -hmm. Right? Do you remember that statement? Mm -hmm. 
He says, I know Abraham. He's going to teach his children the concepts of God. He's not going to keep it to himself. He's going to pass it on. Right? Then you look at like Eli, the high priest in the book of Samuel, who had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, that didn't pass on the precepts and the concepts of God to his children. And they, they corrupted the temple. And they made the, the, the temple a place of prostitution. And it's a holy place, right? And so you have two people that knew God, but the one, Abraham, passed on his characteristics, his ideals, his values to his children. Amen. So you can pass on that heritage. Amen. And the Bible says that, this is kind of interesting here, but there's a scripture in the book of Genesis where, you know, who was, uh, who was Abraham's son? Isaac. Okay. His name means laughter. <laughs> and so God gave them a son in his old age, right? Because they couldn't have children. You know the story with Abraham and Sarah. And uh, well, the time came where Isaac was developed to the point where he wanted to get married, you know, and God put that desire in his heart, you know, and he didn't have the, he didn't have the gift of singleness. <laughs> and he wanted to get married, you know. It says that he went out in the field at night to meditate. He went out into the field at night to meditate. And in the process of meditation, God brought him Rebecca supernaturally. Supernaturally, they were brought together. But it came as a result of him meditating on the Word of God. There's a whole lot to that story, too. I mean, God, his angels were involved in that situation here. But let me tell you something. When you meditate upon the Word of God, you're thinking God's thoughts. You're meditating, pondering, speaking, muttering. That's all part of meditation. Um, that will bring success to you. That'll bring success to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. I think it says, in, and Isaac looked up and he saw the camels coming. Yeah. <laughs> That's not cigarettes, by the way. Remember that commercial? I'll walk a mile for a camel. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna. You might not be able to walk a mile after you have a few of those, right? <laughs> Right, no filter on them. You know what I mean? Just straight. You know. How many had relatives that used to smoke camels? It's bad enough, but no filter on the end of it. Dear Lord, man. I don't know where this stuff's coming from this morning, but you know, I'll take the blame for it. But you know, here's the thing: Isaac was meditating, meditating. And it, while he was meditating, he didn't even know that God was working out a miracle to him. And God brought him. He was in love with Rebecca. Man, you talk about a love affair with her. Oh, my goodness. He was so in love with her. You know? And that's the way it ought to be, right? Praise the Lord. Amen? I can say the same thing about this woman right here. Amen? If she didn't come to me on camels, I can tell you that. Okay. <laughs> I saw this, uh, I don't know, it was a couple years ago. I laughed till I couldn't even stand up. It was hilarious, you know. And there, there was this double hump camel. And this couple had just, they're, they're away on their honeymoon, okay. 
And they're over in like Egypt, I think it was, you know, and there's, a, you know how there's camels that got one hump and then there's ones that have two? It's like, the, it's like the limo edition or something, you know, <laughs> stretch camels, you know what I mean? Big, big animal, you know? And, uh, well, the, the husband was, he was a tad bit overweight, okay? And so the wife got up there first. She was on the backside of the camel, you know? And then time he got up there, there was so much weight on that camel that... <laughs> He went down to his knees, you know, the front, just the front part, not the backside. And, uh, and you know, they got those long necks, you know. You have to see it. It's hilarious, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, of course, when the camel got down on his knees, he had nowhere to hold, so he fell forward, too. The guy fell forward. He's hanging on to his neck like this, and they're like that far off the ground, you know what I mean? And the camel couldn't get up. He's trying to get up. He had to be there to see it. It was just so funny. You know what I'm saying? And um, I'm having a good time myself here this morning, all right? And, uh, but just the look on his face and his wife's face, they're all screaming and yelling, and these, these Egyptian people can't talk English, so they're like, they're trying to get him there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm having a good time. So we'll get in, we're going to get into this, this next week, and I think um, one of the ways that we can, we can have our fixation, our fix, our fix, our eyes gazed on Jesus continually is to meditate the Word of God. Everybody here can do it. Everybody knows how to worry. That's meditation. Okay? Just in reverse. But you can take literally one scripture. I do this all the time. I do it all the time, especially when I lay down at night. I don't go to sleep right away. Very often, I don't sleep immediately, but I'll lay there. And I'll just take a scripture. I'll ponder, think it over and over and over again. I'll think it over and over again. And, and then revelation starts to come. Understanding starts to come. You know the Bible was meant to be understood? It was meant to be understood. It was meant to be grasped where you could grasp it and understand it and apply it to your life. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. So next week, we're going to get into this. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person here right now. I thank you for their precious lives, Father. I thank you that you have destined and ordained great things for the people of God here today. You have ordained, you have destined Greatness for all of your people, regardless of what we're currently involved with or dealing with in the natural. Help us, I pray, Father, to keep our eyes on the living Word of God, on Jesus, the Word of truth. Help us to keep our eyes on Him and never take our eyes off. And even this week, as we go forward into this week, Lord, Thank you for giving us the revelation, the understanding, the strength, the grace to deal with even unpleasant situations, Lord, that normally would be very difficult for us, that you'll give us the grace to deal with it. And we thank you for that, Lord. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, before we... Uh, did you learn something this morning? Man, I preach myself happy, happy, happy this morning. Hallelujah. Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.